until I just woke up from a vision. I was in a hotel room, and this woman, she was in a bathroom, and the, the floor must have been leaking or something. The, the hotel room was bad. It had to be, because why was the water on the floor? But she was getting all the water up. She was drinking. She had a bottle, but all I heard was, I'm about to show you how to finesse these hotel rooms. We need a better one. And the fact for what the what it looked like around, even though she said finesse, it don't matter. If it's water leaking on the floor, they need a new hotel room. But she was on her way out the bathroom. And her baby was in the bed, laying, tucked in, crying. Two girls bust in the hotel room, and they said, you got to go. And she said, we need a hotel room, a new hotel room. And her baby was crying, like, you got to go, repeating what they said, because the baby should never had to hear that they was getting kicked out of their room. And... All I could realize was that, you know, they was judging her. Like, they was judging her. Like, oh, she drinking and she got a baby. And she trying to finesse a new hotel room. She ain't worried about her baby. She ain't a good mother. And all this stuff. And all I could think was, like, how is she not a good mother? Her baby laying in the bed seemingly well taken care of. Because her baby got a new onesie on, warm, tucked in. Her baby ain't got no ponytails or nothing in their head. Her hair not done. Can't tell if it's a boy or a girl. But it don't matter. Because the baby is not in harm's way in any way. But if she said she needs a new hotel room because there's water leaking on the floor, it would have been if she didn't decide that she needed a new one. What would she be in the hotel room with water flooding the bathroom floor? And she wrong for wanting a better hotel room. Like, the thing about this vision is, like, it don't feel like it matters too much about a lot of stuff. But the thing is that all you can see is judgment. All you can feel is judgment. Like, oh, because she in there drinking and trying to finesse a new hotel room. She ain't worried nothing about her baby. Her baby is in the bed, tucked in, fine. The only the only issue I can find is that the baby not sleep yet. But if she had a better room, maybe her baby would have been asleep by now. Some people, I feel like oftentimes it feel like to me looking for a reason to be mad. They looking for a reason to be mad. And yes, every situation ain't perfect. Yes, sometimes it look bad, but it's hard out here for single mothers. It's hard out here for parents, period. It's hard out here for babies who have to, you know, deal with these situations because of how unfair this world is. Nothing was wrong with her child. She didn't have no man around her child. Her baby was not crawling around in the water. Her baby was dry, warm, tucked in bed. And the only thing I could see that affected that child is that 
they upset the child by kicking her out the room. Now, of course, she was trying to get a better room. So, yeah, she may have contributed a little bit to her baby being upset. But if you pay attention to the details, as I said, if she's trying to get a better room, the next room that she get, if it's better, her baby will be in the bed tucked in, warm, sleep. People just, to me, I feel like want to upset me. They want to upset me. You know, it's not about me, but they pull me into it and I'm upset now because what you was expecting more from her and the thing that it feels like they was expecting more from her for her just not to drink. Okay, she drink. She drink after her baby tucked in warm in the bed, you know, and then by then she realized her room wasn't good enough, so she was going to get a better one. But... I don't know. I, it's just people are just so quick to judge. Like she's just supposed to be the most perfect woman in the world. And how I see it is, yes, her and her baby in a hotel room seem like to me that her circumstances aren't ideal. But if it's a better circumstance you can put her in, then put her in it instead of judging her. Like, I don't know. Sometimes people frustrate me. You know, I would do almost anything in the world to have a beautiful baby like she had. And even if I did have a beautiful baby that like she had, that doesn't mean circumstances are going to be so perfect that I would just stop drinking. Sometimes things are that hard in life. You drink, you know, of course you can't stop drinking. Of course you can do better as far as those things go. But I feel like sometimes to me, people don't understand the struggle. They don't understand what drives you to drink. They don't understand everything's around in it. They don't understand you. Because to me, the only thing that would have warned her not being able to drink is if she wasn't already taking care of her child. If she didn't have her child in her possession. If she wasn't doing what she was supposed to do as a mother. Nothing screamed that to me. People just, you know... Oftentimes, I feel like just want to find a problem, nitpicky, or want to judge. And I didn't appreciate it. And I don't know what it was they wanted me to judge or see about it. But I said what I said. And all I said was, okay, you got a mindset where you are, to be quite honest, and I'm going to be 100% honest. In God's point of view, you may be stealing, possibly stealing, and sinning because you're drinking hard liquor. Because you're not supposed to drink hard liquor, period, unless you're on your deathbed. That's what the Bible says. But at the same time, it's not affecting your child. It's not affecting your child. It's, some people will say it's affecting their her child because her attitude is, oh, it's possibly the reason why she's drunk that she feel like she need a new hotel room. The one she had was fine. But is she supposed to walk around and swish around in puddles in her bathroom? Did she create that puddle? That It's not clear whether she created that puddle or not. But the point is, regardless of whether she created that puddle or not, 
she wanted a better hotel room for her and her child. What? Like, people act like they don't understand this stuff. They just want to be frustrated about something. They just want to be nitpicky about something. They just want to judge somebody. I would have done a better job. So do one. Everybody's situation is not yours. Everybody's situation is not ideal. If you want to fix or do something, start with yourself. Look in the mirror. You're not perfect. People are too judgmental out here. They need to do a better job at understanding. And while I'm on the subject, I feel like this is also something that's been brought up lately. Or at least been on my heart. You know, the CPS thing. My whole life, I've been around people or individuals who so quick to call CPS on somebody else. Not even understanding that a lot of situations that within their own home will warrant that CPS call if you calling them. Mind your business. Understand situations are hard out here. This is real life. People are doing the best that they can do. If she wanted to drink, she wanted to drink. You are not perfect. And if somebody start digging deep into your mistakes and your issues, they probably can call CPS on you too. People be getting on my nerves with this. But it's fine because, as I said, from what I seen, that baby was fine. I feel good about it. I feel warm inside. Because that baby was warm in a bed. That's fine with me. It's worse situations out here. People shouldn't be so judgmental. People should be more understanding. And I don't think anything was wrong with that woman, really. Like, it's different when she was trying to do something or, you know, if it was a more selfish reason for what she wanted to do it for. A more selfish reason would have been, you know, oh, I'm just trying to get my money back so I can get more bottles. So her and her baby can be on the street. No, she was going to get a new hotel room. She already got the bottle. Don't worry about her bottle. Don't worry about what she's doing. You know, and I will admit that sometimes I have issues with the fact that if you worried about a bottle before you worried about your child, but she wasn't worried about no bottle before she worried about her child. Not to me. Her child is fine. Now, I've seen situations where children don't even have clothes to wear. They in a dirty diaper, can't afford the diapers, or the onesie just look dirty, torn up, worn out. Her onesie, that baby onesie look brand new plush, warm, and fitting perfectly on her baby. Her baby was in the bed warm. Now, I hate that she had to be in a hotel room with her child. But, as I said before, it's hard out here for single mothers. People are sometimes just so judgmental, but regardless of anything, though, I don't think she's a bad mom. I don't think anybody is a bad mom anymore. I think that, you know, it's difficult. It reminds me of this vision that I had a couple weeks ago, maybe a week ago. There was this little boy. He was around 12, maybe even 14 at the most. And he was living with his dad. And they were living in a small apartment. And they took the cushions off the couch and were sleeping on the floor because the cushions will fall out of the couch. And I've we've had couches like that before in my life. I know exactly what that's like. No matter what you do, the cushions always slip off the couch. So they probably decided to just take the cushions off and sleep on the floor. That's their circumstances. That's what it is. But 
the only issue I possibly had with the situation is he had a little girl in the neighborhood from down the street that he had in his house with his dad. And they were, you know, having sex and fornicating at a young age. And it was just scary because it's like you don't know nothing about sex. And this little girl over here with you and your dad, you know, do she have any men in her life as a representation of where not to hang around or where not to be? And y'all over here having sex. She's too young for sex. You're too young for sex. I never agree with little boys or guys in the world. Oftentimes where I come from, you talk to a guy about where he lost when he lost his virginity. You talk about nine years old. What are you talking about? That's way too young. You don't even, you're like you're shooting blanks. You don't know what you're doing and it's unsafe. But I still don't judge because the fact of the matter is, is so many people out here with the same story as you. You want to start attacking somebody. Attack the whole issue as a whole. Get it all done. The only thing you can do at this point is offer some constructive criticism and do everything you can to help. But stop being judgmental. So that's something I've learned in this process. You know, people a lot of times they're like, okay, I see this situation. I don't like it. I want to attack you. No, attack yourself. Attack whatever it is inside of yourself that wants to make things better and then do whatever you can to work on a larger level to fix bigger issues as a whole. What can you do to create some sort of safe haven for in individuals or families or circumstances like this so that when they want the help, do not ever force no one in to help. When they want the help, they can come and seek it and find it on their own. A lot of people aren't involving themselves in situations, and it's like, don't force yourself on nobody. Satan does that. God is always there with everything that you need, and he's waiting for you to come and get it because it's for you. Satan is like, I'm going to come and involve myself in your situation and somehow trick or manipulate or force you into receiving this help that I want to give you, and it's never real help. So that's what I feel like I'm dealing with when I when I am involved in these different circumstances, but I do everything I can that I know how to try and incorporate what I've learned from God in order to help and guide and lead people. First things first in every situation, do not judge as if you would be able to do better or as if you would know better and someone shoes like that. Do not judge. When you don't, when you don't judge first, you can always appeal to people better when you're not judging them. Because the fact of the matter is what you're showing them is that in your shoes, am I so sure that I would be able to do a better job? Because you're not sure of that. And when I say in your shoes, I mean your whole life. Everything that you know, everything that you've experienced, everything that you've gone through to get you to this point right here to have known better than to do what you're doing. A lot of people feel, I would know better. I would do better. That's because you're in your shoes. You've known better. You've learned better. You have better examples. This person may not. Do not judge first. That's number one. But other than that, you know, I really wish that I had more resources to help people like this. Every time they appeal to me, If it's an even, even an appeal to me, because that's a mighty assumption to make, that she was even appealing to me to begin with. A lot of times we would like to involve ourselves and say that we're, people are appealing to us 
And they never wanted nor needed your help, per se. You know, don't assume that they need you, first of all. That's another thing I've learned from the struggle. I've learned growing up and humble from humble beginnings. You don't assume that people need your help. Because a lot of people in these situations, they've learned not to ask help from people. Why? Because they're judgmental. They think they know everything. They want to automatically tell you which way to go, how you should be doing things as if, as I said, they can do better in your shoes. No one wants to listen to that or hear that after that. You feel like you can do better than me? That's you. So that's one thing I've learned from the jump. But it's hard to get people to see what they cannot see. And you can never see when the first thing you do is judge. One thing about Jesus Christ, he has the ability to judge. He's perfect, sinless, and without sin. He's innocent. He died on the cross for the forgiveness of all of our sins. He took on the weight of everything we ever did wrong, never having made a mistake in his entire life, never having made a mistake ever. And he still doesn't judge. So that's the least you can do. The least you can do is not be judgmental. That's what's required of Jesus. Number one, he's cool. He's in every situation. He loves everybody. And he's always there for you no matter what. Never judging. A lot of people do not, you know, they don't have the ability to do that. First thing they do as soon as they jump in someone's situation is judge. Jesus has told me that the real, you know, in order to not be able to judge like Jesus is to not ever form an opinion at all. So, yeah, at the end of the day, I'm even wrong, even though I'm taking her side. I'm wrong because I formed an opinion. You're not even supposed to form an opinion in your thoughts. Soon's in your mind when you're looking for things or you see anything that you have an opinion about, you're judging. Never form an opinion from the jump. It's difficult, but it's doable. If Jesus can do it, you can do it. Accept and understand what you're dealing with. And then after you do not judge what you need to be able to do in order to be more like Jesus is to stick by somebody's side no matter what you see. Because Jesus will never leave your side. Jesus will never leave you. Jesus will always love you no matter what. And Jesus paid the biggest price that anybody could ever pay for each and every single last one of us. His blood being shed on the cross. So the fact of the matter is after you do not judge... You never leave somebody's side. Never. So are you going to stay with this woman hand and foot from start to finish for the rest of her entire life and her child's life and her child's child's life? Do you have the ability to do that? You don't. Okay. Stay out of her business. And whatever you can help with, help with a non-judgmental attitude. That's how I see it. A lot of people just need to step back and let God do it. One thing that I feel like a pastor that I've grown up listening to and watching that has shaped a big part of my childhood, the smartest thing I heard him say lately within the last year, you doing more than God would do. Because you think you're right. Because you think your logic trumps everything. Because you think your perspective is everything. You think in the small view of things that you can see and grasp that you got it all figured out. 
Job did nothing wrong. Job was God's most faithful servant, most loyal and faithful servant, perfect his whole life. And God still allowed Satan to touch him. And when Job questioned that, questioned whether God was good, what did God show him? God showed him everything that he could never possibly be able to handle or understand. If God will do that to his most faithful servant, what do you think he feel about you? You have no idea what's out here. You can't see everything molecule to molecule. You don't, you don't have the ability to handle the whole universe at once. Let God do it. Let God handle it. Only he can. That's how I saw it. That's how I see it. And I'm fighting every single day to fight my own judgmental attitude and my own opinions that I have on situations. Even if I take someone's side, doesn't mean it's right. Even if you take somebody's side, doesn't mean automatically you're, you deserve an opinion. The fact of the matter is let God handle it. So, I don't know why I was showing this, but I do know how I feel about it. How I feel about it as of late is... I love babies. I want a child in my life. I really do. You know, deep inside of me, when you go to the root of all the issues I've ever had, because yes, of course I have issues. I'm not perfect. I'm not Jesus. You go to the root of all the issues I've ever had. I don't want children here. I would never want to raise a child in this environment, in this world full of sin. Where no matter how good I raise my child, they're still going to go out here and meet someone who hasn't raised their child as well. Who won't care about the way you've raised your child up. Who may pull your child into circumstances that you prayed against your entire life. And it's not nothing you can do because your child has free will to choose just like you did. And that's the fact of the matter. You cannot control everything. God is in control. So sometimes I have fears of having a child. Because I can do and work to the bone. To raise my child to avoid every circumstance that could ever exist. And I still wouldn't have the perspective or the sight to see every situation that would ever exist. And my child may encounter one of those situations. And they will still have to choose for themselves. So what can you do after that? Only thing you can do is give it to God. Because he's going to protect your child. You pray over your child. You pray over your family. You pray over everything in your life and you let it go. You trust God. You trust that he'll handle it when it's out of your hands. So I'm learning to possibly even want children in this world or ever in my lifetime. Even though I fear if this is the way I act of my mother, my brother, my daddy, my sisters, my aunts, my uncles, my family. How would I act about my child? At this point, I'm ready to go to war over my niece over my nieces and nephews, over my family. So how would I act about my actual child that came out of my body? Sometimes I don't trust myself, which is why I don't really want to have children. But the fact of the matter is, after you've done everything you can do in prayer, because that's the only thing you should ever be doing something in. Don't go take things into your own hands. Don't go thinking you got enough on you where it don't matter who you is or what power you have or where you land or where you stand in this world don't go thinking you got it all figured out that you can handle it all every situation ever exists or or presents itself don't don't go thinking you got it without god that's number one get on your knees and pray about it trust god that he handled it if you prayed about it 
If you got a vendetta against God, if you're spiteful against God, if you are anyway ignoring him, you already wrong. That's number one. So after that, after you trust God with everything that you have and you're doing everything you can to be a faithful servant to him, you let it go. That's what it is. You can't control everything. Lately, I've been in an environment, I've been around individuals who are very, very adamant about controlling everything. Having control. Being involved. They don't want to hear. They don't want to hear I can't do nothing about it. Or they don't even want to hear after everything that I have done about it. That's all that credit and glory and honor belongs to God. Even if I died about it, God did the work. Even if I fought about it, God did the work. The blood, sweat, and tears that I put about it, put in it, the hard work and the strain that was put on my body, and all the work that I've done, all that glory and honor and power belongs to God. He did it. People can't even do that first. They can't give all the credit to God. It's not me. I don't care if I was slaving for the last 40-something years. It wasn't me. It was God. God was slaving. Anything you go through, he goes through 10 times more. Any hurt or pain you feel, he feels 10 times more. Anything someone did to you, he did to him. They did to him. Give it to God. He has all credit for everything. Everything. It doesn't matter how you feel. You feel like, God wasn't there when I went through this. God don't get the credit for that. I would never credit God for all that I've been through. I haven't even been praying to God. I haven't even been looking to God. I don't depend on God for nothing. And all the credit still belongs to him. You don't give God enough credit. Don't think you're so special and so big and so important that God is not still in control of every situation pertaining to you. Pertaining to you and everybody else in this world. Yes, he can handle it all. Yes, he is perfect. No, he does not make mistakes. That's what it is. Humble yourself. And that goes for me too. A lot of times I have difficulty humbling myself. God checked me. Even though he sent me on this mission to revise these people. He checked me. He's constantly checking me. He's checking me right now. He checks me because if you are a part of me, it doesn't matter that you just choose me. It matters that you actually represent me in the right way. Period. When you're wrong, you're wrong. And we're all wrong and filthy compared to Jesus. So no opinions, no judgment. Stay out the way. Let God do it. He's going to work it out for them. And if you ever want to help anybody, the only thing you can help them with is a prayer. Period. Don't put your hands on nothing. Let God do it. That's what it is. If God guides you to do something for someone, know that he did it. Give him the acknowledgement. Give him the credit. You out here doing stuff and you feel like you're helping? Know that God did that through you. It wasn't you. He created every thought you ever formed and he knew it before you ever formed it. That's God. He did that. We're too full of ourselves. That's what it is. And something else that was brought to my attention more recently too. We're not our ancestors. 
a lot of us like to worship our ancestors, but I don't even want to get into that conversation. We not who, we not our ancestors. Even though God is exposed to me, we are still the same people we've always been. After 2,000 years, we are not different. We do the same thing we were doing 2,000 years ago, breaking promises and being disobedient to the commandments. We are not our ancestors, though. Oftentimes, we look at what we're doing now, we are not as strong. We are not as attentive. We don't work as hard. I've met my ancestors. They hated me. They said, you lazy. We hate you. We would kill you and take your opportunity at life because you're too lazy and you're not getting up to do enough with it. I've wished death on myself way too many times. My ancestors said, if I had the opportunity right now, I'd steal your body. I steal your future. I steal your destiny because you're lazy. We're lazy. We're all lazy. And the fact of the matter is they're wrong. Because if Jesus says we're not no different than we always been, then that means that you're just as lazy as I am. But the real fact of it is that we get lazier by the generation. We're lazy. We are. We don't do as much as we once did. Oftentimes we criticize, you know, older women who stuck by their husbands for 50, 60, 70, 80 years. And you see all the situations that they've gone through and you say to yourself, see, I'm a better woman because I would have never stood for that. You are not a better woman. You are not a better man. You are not better. A lot of us, we have chips on our shoulders. We say, I want to be a better mother than I had. I want to be a better dad than I had. I want to have a better child than, you know, I was. Like, whatever reason, you're not better. We're all the same. Give it to God. Trust that you're not special. Be your most humble. And your most humble means not forming an opinion at all. Submitting all the glory and honor and power to God at all times. And doing everything in your power, no matter how good you ever get, to understand that you can be better in God's word and God's truth. It doesn't matter if you reach the highest level with God, you still can be better. Just like there's always worse, there's always better. So, that's where I'm at. A lot of people saying I'm born for this, and maybe I am. But that does not mean that I, I am without mistake. I'm better than anybody. Or definitely doesn't mean that I just deserve a say on everything and everybody. Like, that's a joke. That's a big joke. If you feel like you deserve a say in everybody's situation, that's a big joke. That's what it is. So allow people to do what they would have done. Trust the free will that God has given. Because if God is in control of everything but still gave you free will, then what does that say? You up here trying to control people's decisions and things that they do. Or judge them by the decisions that they make. As if God didn't already know what they were going to do before they did it. Know where they're going. Where they're going to end up. And he still gave them free will to choose. You feel as if you're better than that? The fact of the matter is. Satan works. He's so crafty. He works in so many different ways. Throughout us all. And the main thing. How you can identify Satan. When you want to be in control. If you're not submitting your will over to God. you are Satan is working through you whether you like it or know it or not. Do not make plans. The plans are for the Lord to make. 
Do not take revenge for yourself. Revenge is of the Lord. And what you need to understand is whether you feel somebody deserves something or not, that's up to God to judge. So when I see people just, you know, wanting to be involved, you know, allow God to guide you in any involvement you ever take in anybody's life, even your own. Allow him to guide you. The blind can't lead the blind. Your opinion is so limited. God, you can never limit. Let him do it. That's what it is. And I'm working on that. I have so many different things I'm fighting inside of myself in order to be better so that I do not contribute to that. (sighs) That being said, you know, it hurts me to see any child ever suffering, especially when it feels as if they're being deprived from in a parent. But understand that, as I said, you cannot do better than them in their shoes, no matter what you think, even if you feel you have done better in their shoes. Could you? How would you know? You'll never be in them. A lot of people just need to mind their business. We too, when you get in other people's business, what you need to understand is that you have a need for control or power. You want to be God. You want to be worshipped like God without anyone having to ask or without having to coerce or trick or somehow persuade someone to worship you. You want to be like God. God is God. No one can be him. Nobody can beat him. No one is bigger than him. He has it. He has it. That don't mean it don't mean don't do nothing. It don't mean let let it go and let all these different things happen. It means allow him to guide you in everything that you do. That's what it means. And know that even if you allowing him to guide you in everything that you do, you still in no comparison to him. You still can make mistakes. He can't. We have to be humble. That's what it is. I'm learning God's presence. Even my most humble that I am aware that I could ever get to, even after encountering God, that's still never going to be humble enough. We don't know how to be humble enough in God's presence. The angels are humble enough. We can never be humble enough in God's presence because we can never let go of control. We can never let go of judgment. We can never let go of opinions. We can never let go of the need to be able to feel like we got to do something. Let God do it. We're not humble enough. None of us. Period. Humble is God is in full control at all times. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm not right. I'm never right. God is right. Even when you feel like you're right, you're wrong. All glory and honor and power belongs to God. Every good thing you've ever done is God. Any love you've ever experienced is God. All good things are God. God is love. And everything outside of that is you and your sin and your wrong. A lot of us don't have the ability to do that. We're saying, why does he get all the good credit? And we got to take all the bad. Because that's just what it is. Period. That's what it is. So, this is what I'm experiencing. This is what I'm going through. This is what I'm learning. And the biggest lesson throughout this entire process is... For me personally, never judge a mother. Never judge, period. Never judge, period. But it's been on my heart real heavy not to ever judge a mother personally because I've 
I, I may have a chip on my shoulder where ever since I was younger, I feel like I want to be a better mother than I ever had. And I'm not wrong for wanting to, wanting more or wanting better for the future generation after me. But I need to allow God to lead me and I never need to take control or ever need power in that area. When you take things off for yourself because you have your own personal situation, you have your own personal reasons why you are, you know, you resonate with these things. You're connected to these things. It reaches you on a whole different level because you felt these different things. You don't understand you have some sort of control issue in that area. You need to release that control to God. I'm learning. So that's what I'm saying. And as I said, I don't know why they pulled me into the division, but they did what they did. And I think it was a learning experience, you know. Yes, you might have been wrong, you know. At the end of the day, you know, she possibly was stealing. And I still wouldn't judge her. Who am I to judge? And also something that God's exposed in this process is there are people who sit in places calling themselves gods, calling themselves judges without God's guidance. And he's here to fix and correct that. He always has to correct our mistakes for us. So what does that tell you? Every move that you make could possibly be a mistake. Trust him to do it right. Don't even move on your own. Period. At all times, look to him. Okay, so I know I've talked about this before, but I want to talk about it again. I want to talk about the conviction I felt after reading pers- reading new um, journal entries from this woman that I, I believe God has placed on my timeline. I'm on Pinterest a lot now, and her name is The Transformed Wife. She speaks of all the things that God has been teaching me recently and only in recent times within the past month have I started to question these things. And I don't really question them. It's just it feels more difficult to hold on to this truth. So what she speaks about is being a homemaker for your children and for your husband. I'm going to read one of the passages that she has written. And it's hard. It's hard to grasp because a lot of us women out here nowadays and i hate to say the nowadays part because god has told me time and time again we are not different than what we've always been but this is also an attest to that but this is what she said she said this world is a wicked and scary place does this mean we should fear bringing children into it no and it's something it's a fear that i've had christian children are a part of the solution not part of the problem This world needs more salt and light to shine the love of Jesus, not less. What about overpopulation? Do you trust God or do you trust man? God has never taken away his command to be fruitful and multiply. He continues to bless women with babies. 
Bearing and raising children is still his perfect will for young women. Children are good for us. They force us out of our self-centeredness and into inconveniencing ourselves. Fear should never guide our decisions because decisions based on fear are not from faith. Now, she is absolutely right. And what I've been dealing with is this demon that I've been fighting that I believe even surrounds her as well. Because only, not only after, but surrounding a lot of her messages is this fight. This fight that is like, that is not the way women have more rights now women deserve to be treated with more respect women should never submit themselves like that over to their men because they will be walked over they will be doormats they will be treated you know with less respect while men get away with everything and i know that god has led me to this because this is something he's placed in my heart and i've experienced a lot of this same adversity as well that she speaks about in her journal entries where women laugh at me they mock me and they fight me they beat me up. They torture me. They torment me for knowing that this is God's will for my life, that he's guided me into this way. And oftentimes they say, you are too nice. You are too sweet. And you'll get nowhere with that. You don't have to be that way. You don't have to live that way. You don't have to abide by those commandments. And this is true. This is word. These are words from God. I know that she's anointed. And I know that every single time I'm dealing with any type of spirit that is coming against what she's saying is the same spirit she possibly is dealing with that is trying to keep her from getting this message out to women. What we do not understand is that 60% of women are going to hell because they believe that they do not have to be this person despite what kind of person the man that God leads or guides them to be with decides to be. You have to be this this woman with or without a man. You have to be this woman first. And even if the man says you don't have to do that much, which I've experienced, men have come to me and said, you don't have to do that much for me. I don't require that much of you. Or you really are trying too hard. And I say, I'm not doing it for you. I'm doing it for God. Because at the end of the day, if I were doing it for you, I'd probably go to hell if I did not abide by these commandments regardless. But I'm still working on it because these are things I'm still fighting. Here's another one. A love that never fails. A love based upon feelings and how he makes you feel is a selfish love. A love based upon actions and how good you treat him is a selfless love. Hollywood has romanticized love and made it all about feelings. Excuse me. This type of love will get you through the healthy times, the good times, and the rich times, but will fail you during the sick times, the bad times, and the poor times because feelings come and go. And enduring love is a commitment, a choice, and actions based on 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4 4 through 8. She always cites scripture, and I love that. It loves through all the times and is not love based upon one's feelings. This is the kind of love that God asks of us, a love that never fails. Now, I have to take credit because a lot of these things that she said, I have felt so convicted that I almost run away from her page. But God keeps me grounded and keeps me reading her passages because she is anointed. And these words that she's speaking is truth. And it's hard to sometimes read, but it is, it's truth. It's what it is. And a lot of women don't want to live by this because 
from what I've experienced, a lot of us in this generation, we believe that our grandmothers, our great-grandmothers were stupid for sticking by. Our great-grandfathers, our grandfathers, you know, through 50, 60 years of marriages, after everything that they've done, we have to stick by and still be the homemakers and still be, you know, everything that God calls us to be despite how they treat us. But you have to be the woman that God has called you to be despite who he places you with. And oftentimes it may look like abuse or mistreatment. And women call me crazy because what God has led me to believe. But I will talk about that in a minute. I'm going to read one more. And this one is... This one may be a little bit harder. So when women decide to do their housework joyfully, even if their husbands never lift a finger to help them, they are serving the Lord and doing what he has called them to do. The world cannot understand this because to them, everything is about fairness, 50-50, equality and rights. For us, life is about giving our lives away in service to others, which brings glory to God. We are called to live unselfishly and generously towards others, especially our husbands. Joy comes from serving others, not from getting our way or being or from being served for the greatest of all is the servant of all. Make his life as easy and as happy as you can. A lot of her passages are in support of her husband and children in home. And she is encouraging women to put that first above everything, despite what the world tells you to do. And from her passages, what I've learned is that there is another person. There are many people out here. She has encouraged me to believe that there are other people who understand that these things are more important than what we are dealing with and facing in life. When we feel as if we have to go our own way or we have to stand up for our rights or we have to somehow, you know, prove a point to other women out here or other people out here about how we are supposed to take care of our homes. A lot of times we are afraid to acknowledge that we are submitting to our husbands and submitting to our children and submitting to our home life in order to make our lives more godly. And it's difficult, you know, it's very difficult because a lot of women who don't agree with that, they will beat you down about it. They will come against you. They will say all kind of things about you. They will make your life harder. And you oftentimes feel like you cannot even speak this word of God. But what you need to know is that if you do not warn other people, if you do not tell them of the truth that God is exposed to you, that blood is on your hands. So this woman is doing the work of God. And I'm so glad because, you know, oftentimes when I pray about the things that I speak of, which God has told me many times to write it down. And I see that this is what this woman is doing. But oftentimes when I speak about the things that I speak of, I realize that at the end of the day, as much anxiety as I might, I may have about what I'm saying, I know that God will place it on the right ears. He will place it in the path of the right person. And that's exactly what he did with her passages. So these are some things that God has said to me. God said, regardless of whatever man that I've given you, if I have placed a man in your path and given him a word, giving you a word about him or giving him a word about you, what you need to do is submit to him. You need to submit to me. If he is a man of God, do everything that I'm calling you to do with no questions or no hesitation. So that may look like specifically to my situation. If this man is abusive, then allow yourself to be abused. And that sounds crazy, right? But it's true. If this man is abusive, allow yourself to be abused. If this man is a cheater, allow yourself to be cheated on. If this man is a liar, allow yourself to be lied to. If this man is 
aggressive. Allow this man to be aggressive. Allow these men to be whatever that they are deciding to be and pray for them instead and be everything that you are called to be and trust that it is in God's hands that God will fight that battle for you, for your husband, for your spouse, for your children, for your life. And women hear this from me, they laugh in my face. They laugh in my face. They say, you're stupid. You're dumb. You don't have to go through that. And lately, I have to admit that I have given in a little to these different things that women have said, which I usually don't. I fought so so far past these things to get to this point. So it seems idiotic of me to submit now to the things that they're saying or to let them or to allow them to affect me in any way, because even men laugh at me. There are going there there have been several men who have laughed at me and said, You are stupid. And if I had you, of course I would want you because you would let me do all that to you. If I I would never change for you. I would never do anything different. I would never, you know, I would never be better for you because you would just let me do whatever I wanted to do. I wouldn't feel obligated to change for you. And I know that that's a lie. I know that that's a lot because I believe in my father in heaven. If I'm praying to my father in heaven and doing everything that I am required to do as a woman, as a wife, as a mother, you will change. That is a guarantee that you will change. And another thing that goes along with this is that if God has introduced me to someone, a man of God that he approves of, I won't have to worry about that no matter what man he decides to be, even if he's abusive, even if he's a liar, a cheater, curse or Whatever it is that he does, and it sounds so messed up because a lot of times we don't want to talk about these sides of things. Like, you want to believe that if you're being every everything that you're supposed to be for a man, that he will be everything he's supposed to be for you. And the fact of the matter is, if you stay faithful and stand through all the hard and tough times, he will eventually, or even immediately with some, be everything he's supposed to be in God for you. But it doesn't always look like that immediately. And this is why a lot of times marriages are failing. Divorce is an option. Divorce should never be an option. In the Bible, you are never supposed to divorce. Someone should die before you ever come out of a marriage. That's a fact. If that is not the case, that blood will fall on your hands. You will be held accountable for that. If you divorce anyone and they're still alive, you will be held accountable for that. I do not believe in divorce. I've never believed in divorce ever since I was a child. And I know that's for a reason because I pray to God and I pray to God to strengthen a marriage inside of me to allow me to be married with someone that I could stay with forever and never have to be divorced with. And so he's training me up and preparing me for that right now. And I see it. Now, what does it look like right now? So, personally, and I'm going to be brutally honest, God, it feels like, has given me a word on a man. And if I'm going to be quite honest, I'm having to fight so many different women over this man because this man has seven baby mothers, nine children outside of marriage, and even has, it feels like, in you know, proposed to two women, but God is not allowing these this marriage or this wedding proposal, whatever it is that he has in store or plan for himself to go through because you do not make plans without God. And if you pray for a woman in God, he will send you one. And the idea of this entire process is that God has sent me for this man. But I have to be prepared. And so throughout this entire process, this man wants to be married to a woman, but God will not allow him to 
marry me because he is not ready. And so that is a test that that isn't a test to a confirmation and validation that God will never place you in a situation that is abusive or wrong or not supportive of the life that you are willing to live in him if you become the woman of God that you are destined to be in him, which means do it first. Do it first throughout whatever circumstance, throughout whatever you are going through. If you want that happy, peaceful, fulfilled life in God, then you choose that. And you do it anyways, despite what you're dealing with. And I've looked so stupid in front of so many people. Not necessarily stupid because I choose God. You can never look stupid with God. But I felt like I've looked dumb. I felt like I've submitted over a lot of the different beliefs that I was raised on in order to appease God. And you will never be wrong for that. And the fact of the matter is, this individual can be spiteful and hateful and angry. To the point where oftentimes he is even, you know, dealing with different family members in order to hurt me. Like he would date my sister. He would date my cousin. He would date my mother or my aunt in order to hurt my heart. But that's something that he is dealing with. That's different struggles and different things that he has. He has yet to be healed from from the childhood that he has grown up in. And so God has called me to, despite whatever it is that he does, be the woman of God. He is calling me to be and pray for this man because at the end of the day, he has given me a word on this man. And the fact of the matter is, if if this is the first word I've gotten on a man from God, then the fact of the matter is that God is never wrong. He's perfect. He never makes mistakes. And so if he does this, that means remain loyal to this person, remain faithful in God, trust him in the outcome of a situation, and choose God no matter what. Choose God first. When you put God first, everything else will align how it is supposed to. So what has been hurting me and what's been on my heart and what's been difficult is grasping the fact that if he's dealing with my family members, you know, having sex with them, leading them on, having relationships with them, then it is a possibility that if I marry this man, he could possibly keep up that attitude or that behavior for the rest of my life. I don't believe in divorce. I put God first and I'm going to choose God no matter what, because that's what God is calling me to be. The fact of the matter is, if I decide to be anybody else, that falls on my head. I will go to hell. If I say I'm not going to be what God called me to be because this man is not being what I want him to be because I feel like I'm right, I will go to hell. The fact of the matter is what we need to understand is that when you have judgment with God, no one else is in that judgment. No one else is on trial that day but you. So if you are not doing what you are supposed to do, you will go to hell. It doesn't matter what anyone else has done to you. It doesn't matter what anyone else did to provoke the things that you did. You are being judged personally. No one is your co-defendant in any trial with God. He saw everything. Angels are the witness and Satan is the prosecutor. You do not. Jesus is your lawyer. You do not have any excuse for not to be everything that God called you to be. So people, a lot of times I am so criticized and it hurts so bad because it beats me down every day. You're so stupid for this man. You go through all of this for this man. This man is taking you through this. This man is taking you through that. You have to go through this and through that with this man each and every single day. You could do better. And then there's always so many different offers from so many different men. 
And if I were the kind of woman who would take an offer from another man that God didn't give me a word on, that would be my consequence. That would be my actual judgment. If I chose a man outside of the man that God has already given me a word on, well, what happened is the man that I chose will turn out to be the very reason I went to hell. That is the consequence. So it doesn't matter how he's treating you. It doesn't matter what it looks like. It doesn't matter if you feel like another man can treat you or do you better or you feel better in another man's presence. What did God say? So this has been very difficult because when it comes down to it, what I end up facing or dealing with is that Regardless of how I feel with this man, regardless of what I have to go through with this man, regardless of what I am dealing with, you know, God said, God said, so are you going to judge it by the circumstances of what you're dealing with? Or are you going to judge it by what God sees and what God knows about someone? And you know, what's so, what's even so more messed up is that I've even talked about being raped, you know, even by this person, individual. And that's possibly even the the person that God has chosen for me. How do you create or build a situation based off of something so traumatic moving forward? How do you accept that in a person after that? How do you move forward and forgive them for everything? You forgive to be forgiven. And that's so messed up. So here is the scenario that I will present to someone who may listen, which I know that God will place this on the right ears. If you're a rapist, if you had to marry your rapist, would you still trust God? Would you still love God? You know you've been raped. You know you're not crazy. God has even confirmed that that is what happened. But he still is saying, this is the man that I have for you. This is who I want you to marry. And even if that man, after he's raped you, has no remorse for what he's done, does not see any wrong in any of his actions, and even will still deal with other women outside of you, and you still have to marry that man, would you do it? Are you that faithful? Will you be allow yourself to be humbled enough in order to live and lead a life with this individual that God has given you a word on? Are you strong enough as a woman? Are you that confident and faithful in trusting God that much that you would trust him through whatever circumstance he puts you through, put you through with the man of God that he's giving you? Because oftentimes we believe as women, if God sends me a man, he will be perfect. He will be everything I've ever wanted. He will be a man of God. He will never hurt me from the jump. We won't have to go through any issues. It'll be peace, happiness, and joy and fulfillment from start to finish. But if God sends you a situation that is absolutely horrific, he expects you to be faithful through it all and trust his word on something and fight through everything in order to be wherever you are destined to be with this individual from start to finish. Would you trust it? I'm dealing with so many different things in this man. Demonic possession. Generational curses. Previous, you know, satanic ties and relationships. So many different things that this man has gone through and has dealt with. And God is saying, accept all of it. Because at the end of the day, as filthy as you are, and as everything that I am willing to forgive in you and still allow you to live live and lead a life in me as a woman of God, as, a, as opposed to 
the previous life, your past life, and all the sin that you have participated in. This is what I have for you. And I'm expecting you to accept that in confidence of me and in confidence of what I will provide for you in the future. And choose this man. Whatever that comes with him. Even if he never decides to change. I said, this is who I have for you. Would you still be able to be everything you are supposed to be even if that man never lives up to the expectations that God has for you and this man? Which you know that he will. But you have to go through everything first. You have to stay down till you come up. This is the difficulty of what I'm facing lately. This man doesn't feel that he's wrong a lot of times. Oftentimes shows no remorse for a situation. And that's also something that this woman has taught me. Never belittle your man. Never emasculate him. Never point out his wrongs. Never say anything about what he does. Be everything you are called to be in God. And these situations, these issues, these arguments will not arise. Be everything that you are called to be. That and only that will actually allow you to have a relationship, a marriage in and under God. A lot of times we as women, we are entitled. We feel like this man should be this first, this man should be that first. If I'm putting in all the effort to do this, if I'm putting in all the effort to be that, if I'm putting all the effort to show up and be the best that I should be, why should this man get any slack on being the best that he should be? And the fact of the matter is, what did you hear God say? What did God say about it? It's, it doesn't seem fair a lot of times. I'm dealing with that and I'm battling that. But also understanding that when God showed me my future, the future that I will one day have, I was absolutely completely different from the future me that I saw. And the biggest issues and the biggest differences is those views that I had on the things. The views about what I deserve. The views about how I feel I should be treated by a man. The views about how I feel that I should have to carry myself compared to how a man should have to carry himself. You have to submit all that over to God. First, you don't get any collateral. You don't get any guarantee. The guarantee is God. If you don't trust him and have enough faith in him, you will never receive it. And at the end of the day, if you are okay with that, then your fate is you being okay with that. That's what it is. You don't get any warnings. That is your warning. You don't get any extra grace and mercy. You've already been shown enough of it. God never gives you what you deserve. So grace and mercy is what you have right now, even in the situation from what you can see. So what I've had to do, despite everything that I've experienced in this process, and it's been horrific, it's been very hard, like God said it will be, is accept God's word on someone. I've had to trust God despite everything. Out of everything that I've seen and saw, this man can be very abusive, very judgmental, very hurtful, very spiteful, very angry, a lot of things. He has traumas that he's overcoming. He's being healed, you know, as well as I am. And still, I'm worse than him. It's hard for me to accept it. It's hard for women as a whole to accept these things oftentimes. We don't want to take the blame or responsibility. But the fact of the matter is, that's what God said. Who are you to say he's wrong? Who are you to question God's perfect way? 
So what I've dealt with in the process is a bunch of sabotage, torture and torment, high, very, very, very high requirements of myself for this man, for this future, for this life. I don't necessarily want to submit to it. And so I'm suffering. And I understand that all the suffering is because of myself. You know, oftentimes we feel that we're right. You suffer for feeling like you're right when you're wrong. That's what it is. So I'm facing and battling a lot of different things. And even oftentimes this man chooses other women over me. A lot of times whenever he feels like it gets away with a lot more than I ever could. But I know what God said. This man has come to me on multiple occasions. I know I said it already, but this man has come to me on multiple occasions and said, you don't have to even do all of that. He laughs in my face and says, actually, it's funny because you really don't even have to. I don't even require as much of you. You don't have to be all of that for me. You don't have to do all of that for me. Every single time I tell him it's not for you. It's for God. If it were for you, then you'd be right. It's not for you. It'll never be. Well, I can't say it'll never be for you. If God says it's for you, then it's for you. But at the end of the day, it's for God. And I look around the situation. He has a history of abuse. He has a history of cheating. He has a history of, as I said, multiple baby mothers, multiple children. His his past is not squeaky clean, neither is mine. But God still says that one. What do you do at that point? Do you say, forget everything God said? At this point, I won't even obey the word of God if that's who I have to be with. I won't even, you know, follow the destiny that God has for me. Forget God. I don't trust him. I don't choose him. I don't have faith in him anymore. Do you give up on your whole entire faith in God and future in God because you can't see it that way right now? Or do you grow and allow yourself to see it God's way? Allow yourself to be transforming who God is transforming you to be. Because obviously if God says this is the one and this is the work that you need to do to become what it is I'm calling you to be, that's what it is. As hard as it may seem or look, that's what I'm going through. One thing I will understand though, everything that I'm going through in this process, as hard as it is to submit over a lot of myself for this individual because of how they behave. And even oftentimes they go around and say, this is what I got her doing. This is what I got her looking like. This is what I'm getting out of it. And they're feeding and actually benefiting from bragging on everything that they take me through, even though I'm doing this for God. Oftentimes they will tell people she worships me like I'm God. A distorted mindset that needs to be healed from and by God. And the fact of the matter is that God is going to heal that. So I'm not saying this to belittle or attack this individual. Even if I still have that in me and it's like I'm still working on it. The fact of the matter is this is what I'm dealing with. And God doesn't see anything It's not that God doesn't see anything wrong with it, but God is requiring for me to get through this in order for my next step and my next destination in life. If God calls this to be my future, then this is what it is. It's not about trusting what someone else shows you. It's not about trusting this world or society or who this person decides to be. It's about being who God called you to be. 
Period. That's what it is. So I've been asked, so if he abuses you for the rest of your life, you're going to be abused? Absolutely. If that's what God says to do. If he cheats on you with your sister for the rest of your life, that's what you're going to be? If that's what God calls me to be. It hurts me. It tears me up inside. I have my own perspective and views on it. And I feel that I deserve better. But at the end of the day, if God said, who is anybody to challenge God? Some people will say, well, how you know God said it? I know. I know. I just know. If I did not know, would I be here? Would I be fighting as hard? Would I be determined to be everything that God is calling me to be? And you see the signs. You even agree with it. You've seen it. You've seen the proof and the evidence of the situation. But you're still saying, no, I wouldn't do it. That's your problem. Because at the end of the day, who are you to stand in front of God on the day of judgment and say, I didn't agree with it? That is not going to save you from hellfire. I don't want to go to hell. I'm going to do what I got to do. If I got to look dumb for the rest of my life, if that's what you call it or how you see it, then I will. Because that's what God said. But I don't, I trust God. I know that I won't. Not only that, I've seen a future. I've seen a future where I, where I won't. I've seen a future where this man is everything I've ever needed in my life. Everything my family has never been for me. I have reason to believe that this man will never be the man for me. But I've seen a future that shows me differently. I've seen a future where he has submitted to God, and I have too. And we are both abiding in God's presence at all times. In approval with everything that we do, God approves of our behavior. When you get something like that, you don't give up on it. You don't let it go. You don't make your own reasoning behind why you feel like you deserve better. Because it's not going to change the fact. The truth is the truth. And if you can't accept it, you'll be living a lie. That's what it is. A lot of women remain unmarried or divorced because they cannot accept what God is calling them to be. They feel they deserve more. And when they move on to what they they feel is better, it's way worse than the situation that they've come from. I've seen warnings of this growing up, and God is trying to protect me from it. So the only thing that I could possibly ever do right now while I have a chance is abide by his word, his truth, and be obedient to him. God works in mysterious ways. He says to you he's going to give you everything that you've ever asked for, everything your heart has desired, and it looks like everything you would have never wanted. But it's still what God said. And so even in a situation where even it looks like there's situations where he is wrong, he's the villain, he's the reason why things aren't going right, he's always the problem. If God says he's not, then he's not, period. No one can tell me differently. People have called me dumb for this. In more recent situations, people have told me, it's because who you're loyal to that you're going through all of this. And you're never going to get out of this situation if you don't learn how to be loyal to something else. And I tell them, I'm not loyal to necessarily him per se. I'm loyal to God. Yes, I'm loyal to him. But God first. If God gives me a word on someone, that's why I'm loyal to this person. Because I'm loyal to God. If I change all of that up right now, I would have to be disloyal to God. God didn't give me a word on you. 
He gave me a word on him. Even if God gave me a word on you, he didn't give me the word he gave me on him. I cannot switch up nothing. If I do, the only person who's going to suffer is me. At the end of the day, you're not going to be there on my judgment day to defend me. Oh, God. I cho- I told her to, to switch up. I told her to become loyal to me. I told her I told her to change her mind. I told her I could treat her better, and I did. God is not going to hear it. What did He say? You're loyal to God first at all times, and everything else will catch up. And it's amazing because in this process, I've seen such a change in this man. And even from the first moment. Or the from the beginning of the process, this man has said, you're who God has been telling me he's going to send. God even told him before I showed up. God warned him. God prepared him that I would show up and he was looking for me before I showed up. If that's not confirmation enough, you will never have enough confirmation. Which reminds me of when Lazarus was in Abraham's bosom. And the rich man said, Lazarus, please just drop up, just drop a little drop of water off your pinky for me. I'm burning. And Lazarus said, I can't even if I wanted to, I can't get to you. And the man said, OK, well, the least you can do. Is go up to earth and tell my brothers about the hell and the torment that I'm facing so that they never belong, so that they never. They never get here. And what Lazarus said to him was, if your brothers do not believe Moses, his words and the commandments in the Bible, they will not believe me. So that's what I take from this situation. It's like if you don't believe God now, it's nothing no one can ever do or show you. It's nothing no one can ever change about it. As wrong as he looks, God is right. And as bad as everything is around them, like so many things surrounding this, women, men, all around this situation are like, he's wrong. It's him. He's the one abusing you. And God says, it's him. So who am I loyal or faithful to? God. You don't trust man. You choose God over the world. And if you choose man, man will not be able to save you from hellfire that God put you into. For being disobedient. That's what it is. It hurts, but it's true. And I've been feeling convicted by this woman's journal entries lately because she is so real about it. And one of the only women that I've seen as real and connected to God lately about this subject, particularly because I've heard different words about other things that God has me on a mission about. Because also God will put you on a mission outside of your marriage. He'll give you everything your heart desires. So he has me on a mission about things in my heart, about different things that I've grown up having to face or deal with and not wanting that for anyone else and wanting to be able to help or make a difference in this world. He has me on a mission for those different things. I won't listen to anybody about that. So I won't listen to anybody about this. You have to be confident in God. You have to choose. And so it hurts. It does hurt because I deal with it on so many different levels. I deal with my family shunning me. They will choose this man over me. But this man chooses me. This man is choosing God. I know he has to be for God to have a word on him. And even if he isn't, 
God still has a word on him. So that's what it is. God sees what no man can see. God knows what no man can know. He is God. And everything in the world will turn against you. And that's why God says choose him first. Because Satan will have the ability to appear any kind of way he wants to. He's so crafty. He has a false sense of power. And there are so many different things that he can play over in your mind, in your heart. Your heart can be deceitful. So many different things can be playing all different kinds of part in your family, the people that you think you love and know, have known your whole life. This is why God tells you to choose him because no one can deceive God. When you trust him, you won't be deceived either. I'm dealing with so many different things like that. You know, everything around me has flipped like, how could this possibly happen overnight? And that's because of God. It's what it is. But I'm going to continue to fight because I know that this is what God has me doing. I know that this is the path that God has me on. I know that this is the direction that God is taking me in. But I'm still going to remain loyal to every word that he's given me. I'm going to remain loyal to him. And if he's saying I have to be perfect first, I will be perfect. But also another thing I want to acknowledge because God is always perfect, always considerate of your feelings. Anything that you go through, he goes through 10 times more. Anything that hurts you, he it hurts him 10 times more. God loves you. He does nothing for him and everything for you. So if you're suffering, God is suffering for you. He loves you that much. So I also want to attest to the fact that this man is not ready for marriage. He's not ready. And every single time I go to God, I say, God, is he ready? Because this man has proposed to me on so many different occasions, probably a million times at this point, and said, will you marry me? And God said, he's not ready. And so, no, you cannot say yes. No, you cannot agree. No, I will not allow you to marry him until you're ready. I've heard God on so many different occasions tell this man, you're not ready. You won't have her until you're ready. One day this man said, no one will keep nothing from me. And God said, I'll do what I want to do. Now fight me about it. God will protect you. You have no reason to doubt him ever. When this man is ready, he will be my husband. When I'm ready, I will be his wife. We're, we're both not ready. We have to do the work. We're, I'm doing the work. I have to worry about me first. Everything else will catch up. There's so many different things going on in my life. I have to fight my entire family and Satan and my past self to become the woman that I'm supposed to be in God. And by then, he will provide the man that I'm supposed to have in God. So I trust God, of course. Why wouldn't you? You can trust God. If you can't trust anything else in this world, you can trust God. A lot of us, a lot of people around you, they ignore God. They don't trust God, so they want to change how you feel about them. They want to tell you that can't possibly be right or look at all this logic. Your logic is nothing compared to God's logic. So I fight these things. And even when you're going through rough patches and even when you're dealing with different things, you have to trust him. You have to. So this man has proposed to another woman. She has an engagement ring and everything. 
I believe he's proposed to two different women. I don't know if the second one is wearing her engagement ring. But God said no. And I'm living proof right now that if God has a will for your life, if God has a destiny for your life, it will never happen. It will never happen. So I am confident in God that as long as I am staying faithful in him and doing the work that he is requiring me to do, he will never allow this man to marry anyone but me. He sent me here for a reason. This is what it is. So that being said, I'm not there yet. I'm not ready. God will not allow him to marry me. God will not allow me to marry him until we're both ready. Work needs to be done. And God said it will be hard. It is hard. And I'm going to do the hard work because it's worth it for what God has for me. You have to trust God over everything. He's your dad. He loves you. He will protect you. He will never put you in a situation that will hurt you. Unless, of course, it hurts you to build you up into the individual that he's requiring for you to be in him so that you will never be hurt again. That's what it is. So I have so many different things that I'm facing. And I, 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 every single time I come on here and talk about it, I cannot ever give it enough credit as how much how horrific the situation really does appear to be. But one thing that God has shown me in the process, this man will never leave my side. He hasn't since the day that he's recognized who it is that God has sent. He's known who I've been from the moment it has started. He said to me, you're her. I know you're her. I know it. God told me about you. And he said, you're really good. And I'm like, I'm not that good. I'm really just... An average person just like everybody else. I'm just doing everything that I can for God. But the reason why he said I was really good is because God showed him a future where I will be. That's what it is. God is that real. This man said to me one day, ever since I met you, I've known there is a God. Because he prayed for me. God gave an, an, a, a prophet from an entire another state that I never could have run into. I never would have known the same exact word. This is real. This is very real. There's going to be so many different forces of Satan to prevent this from happening. But this is who God is. On top of that, I'm a demon hunter. This individual knew that and said it to me before I ever said anything. I said, how would you ever know that unless you know God? There's going to be confirmation. Never trust anything outside of God. Fight for what you know. God, fight for God. Never let up off of him. That's what it comes down to. When after a year of torment and torture, feeling as if I was in hell. Because I asked God as a child, what does hell feel like? Be careful what you ask for. That's one thing I will say. This man said to me, choose me over God. Worship me like God. Choose me over Jesus. And I said, no, I would never choose you over Jesus. Never. And he cried because he knew that I was the person that God sent to him. That's what he was waiting on. That's why you have to remain true to God's word. Because at the end of the day, you'll think, oh, God said, choose this person. God sent this person for me. So I'll just do everything this person says. No, be you. Find your identity in Christ. 
Do not be loyal to that person. Be loyal to God and God's word. When you're loyal to God's word first, everything else will work out for you. That's what it is. Some people cannot understand that. They don't agree with God. They feel that they know better. They don't. They never will. That's their fate, not yours. Do what you got to do. So that's where I'm at right now. And it's probably still going to be very hard and very tough. And I'm going to have to go through so many different things. But at the end of the day, I trust God. I know to never let him go. And if I never let him go, everything will work out. He's proving that. Even after all these many years that I trust him, despite as much proof as I have now. 